The listings are out this morning, the best places to work in the federal government. And once again, NASA ranks number one among those large agencies and Homeland Security at the bottom. FERC tops the mid-sized agencies. Education lies at the bottom. In anticipation of release of this year's listings, I spoke with Max Steyer, CEO of the Partnership for Public Service, and with Danny Werfel, federal head of the Boston Consulting Group and former federal executive. You hear Steyer first. Well, the survey as a starting point is a critical measuring stick for the performance of our government. And as Danny uh, knows quite well from his time in government, um, we, we, we look to a lot of, of, of problem solving for our government. And whether it's national security or our environment, uh, it's our fundament, fundamental tool for um, collective action as a society. And we don't have a stock price for it. The best places to work is as close to a stock price for our government as you get. It really reflects what the employees have to say about whether their government is working well or not. And this year you see a slight decline over last year. It's a second year of of slight declines in a row, um, which I would say is a little bit of a surprise to me, given all the turmoil that we've seen, most importantly, the longest shutdown in our history. This is, a, to me, an incredible endorsement of the resilience of the federal workforce. They're there to serve the public, and they continue to be there for the public, which is exceptional. Sure, that 0.5% decrease overall engagement score to 61.7, it seems tiny. I guess it's fair to say it's statistically significant given the size of your sample, but not as big as you might have worried given what happened last year. Absolutely. And it's important to understand that this is the average across the whole of government. There are certainly places where you saw Uh, significantly larger declines and many places where you saw increases of consequence. But overall, what you can say is we have a workforce that continues to be there uh, to serve the public that's engaged, um, despite the hammering, bluntly, that it's taken. And Danny Werfel? I think what fuels that resiliency is the power of the connection our federal workforce has to their mission. It's one of the real it's one of the real kind of uh, valuable things we have in the government to help ensure that we are have a motivated engaged workforce is that they're you know on all these surveys and on all these engagements we always score very high in the federal government on our connection and our passion about the mission of what we're doing and i think that's what fuels that resi- that resiliency and looking at some of the specifics here the large agency results are similar to what they were last year nasa health and human services intelligence community are the top 3 all 3 of the top 3 though did have a improvement. They went up a little bit with the intelligence community going up 3.6% in its engagement scores, which is pretty significant. Commentary? Yes, and you're wise to point out the improvement, not just where they are on the list. I think NASA is most proud of the fact that it's improved over the last eight years more than that it's been number one. I think that's the reason why they keep going up, because they are focused on, on continuous improvement And I think you're right also to highlight the intel community went down slightly last year, has come back and come back in a big way. For an organization that size, 3.6 points is a very large increase. And it speaks to the leadership of the folks inside the intel community and their focus on, again, creating work environments that allow that mission-driven workforce uh, to do their job. And that's what's important here is providing opportunities for federal workers uh, to grow and to, um, to, to do what they're there for. 
which is serve the public. We're speaking with Max Steyer of the Partnership for Public Service and Danny Werfel, the public sector leader for the Boston Consulting Group. And I'll just say this, if you want to say that there's a possibility that horrible politics can impinge, well, that's belied by some of these because with that big rise at the intelligence community, which has been at odds, say, with the White House over the past several years. And, uh, Danny, you can also testify to the fact that things go on normally for most people, even in times of volatility from your experience at IRS. Yeah, and it's, it speaks to, I think, what Max started with the resiliency of the workforce. And Max has already pointed out, I think, two, th- or we've talked about in this conversation, two key things that drive that resiliency. One is the connection to the mission. And, you know, it's interesting. NASA often scores number one, and people sometimes think, well, that's because their mission is so cool or the mission is so neat, and therefore, you know, people have a, a higher connection to it. But the reality is, is that people, for example, at the transportation department care just as much about keeping our skies safe as people at NASA feel about um, getting to Mars or launching satellites. People at the IRS feel just as strongly about the fidelity of maintaining our tax code as as NASA does or transportation does about their mission. So that's super powerful. And then I think the point Max raised earlier about the leader, you know, if you look at, um, for example, in the intelligence community, someone like Gina Haspel, uh, extremely well-respected, been there a long time, understands in so many ways um, the importance of the mission and can really kind of lead that organization through some turbulence that may have occurred politically over the last few years. You take those, the combination of a strong leader and the the mission itself, and then the, just the fact that federal workers and Max and I and Tom, you, we've been around these folks for a long time. This is a, a resilient crew. They know that there are going to be ups and downs. Uh, they've been through a lot. They go administration to administration. Um, they uh, they deserve a lot of credit, I think, for continuing to serve the American people so effectively despite all of the turbulence that's around them. And if you move on to the rankings for the mid-sized agencies, the top two there, I guess there's two dynamics that I see. One is they both lost a little ground, 1.1% down for Federal uh, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, 1.6% down for Federal Trade Commission, yet the resulting scores are still way above the government average for those. What do we pull away from that phenomenon? Well, again, I, this is uh, something that I think is worth paying attention to. You, you want to know where you are in the overall rankings, but you want to be going in the right direction. And I think any agency leadership, and I'm confident that that's going to be true at FERC and at the FTC, that sees there's a number slipping is going to try to understand why. Um, one important lesson I think that um, all leaders need to, to understand is that you don't want to be designing your activities to the rankings. What you want to be doing is using the rankings as a mechanism of understanding how you're doing over time. These are long marches. So in many ways, the stories that I find most um, important are the ones where you see a long trend line of, of improvement. So you take NASA or you take HHS, uh, which have had you know five plus years in the case of HHS and eight years for NASA of increases. Um, you have to design a program that is really about building your organizational capability over the many year period the rankings then become a check-in opportunity, an opportunity to benchmark against your peers across government, and we've not yet discussed your benchmark against your peers uh, in the broader um, workforce, uh, because the talent that you're trying to attract really is not just those that are in, already in government, 
but you want to be competing against the best in class, bluntly against the BCGs and others in the private sector as well. So um, what I would say about the, the mid-sized agencies is, yeah, it should be a wake-up call, but uh, it's not something that you want to um, upset your entire larger, longer-term program for. Um, but, you know, again, this is a way of can't manage what you don't measure. Um, you can't really know how you're doing without this kind of data. It's very powerful. You can drill down to small work units uh, and, and understand what's going well in some places and where you need to improve in others. So um, I would say mid-size agency story is, uh, you know, some of those agencies need to figure out what's going on, how to get back on track. And then there are others like the GAO, which have been longtime denizens of the top of the rankings that, again, this past year did even better. Dana, you do work for the BCG, the Boston Consulting Group, which is among the highest rated private sector companies. Given the fact that the economy, at least from an employee standpoint, is pretty good, we have record low unemployment and wages are rising, so it looks pretty good historically on that front. How does government compare to the private sector this year, and what are some of the interpretations on those deltas? You know, it's interesting. I mean, it's it for me. I spent uh, almost 18 years in government, and then my first job in the private sector was with with BCG, which is, as you mentioned, um, consistently ranked as one of the best places to work in America. And and I was very curious going into what 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 is the magic sauce there that that helps them do that. And I immediately, almost on my first day, started to to see that picture unfold. And it's really their focus on the individual and focus on the employee. I mean, there's so much attention to to your development, your, you know, what training do you need to be successful? You have constant uh, information and frequent information on what your strengths are, what your areas for development are, and um, and really what, what you need to do to be successful and, and move forward uh, in, a, in a career path. And so I really think there's a huge learning there for uh, for federal agencies where their focus should be, um, if it's not already, but an increasing focus on how are we investing in our workforce. And very often when we're in a budget crisis, going back a few years, sequester or government shutdown, or where are we going to start to pinch pennies, you look to things like training and you look to things like other uh, employee development uh, programs. Um, and that may be a mistake. That might be the wrong trade-off that federal agencies are making um, if they're going to prioritize uh, developing a talented and engaged workforce, which which I think is one of the most critical assets that a federal agency needs to be successful. So again, I think I think my major lesson learned is really invest in people, invest in the workforce, try to avoid things that divest in those things, um, and that should help you lead to a uh, to, to a higher engagement score. And let's talk about the small agencies, because in that group, you have both the highest and the lowest scores of all. Uh, 85.8%, really high, huge, hugely high engagement rate for the U.S. International Trade Commission. The lowest score of anyone anywhere is the Corporation for National and Community Service. I guess that's a pretty small agency at below 40% and dropped 27%. That could be a sampling effect, I guess, maybe more than a real big change. But how do you account for the wide divergence in the small agencies? Well, Max, do you want to talk about CNCS? And I can talk a little bit about my experience working in a small agency after that. Sure. And I think, um, you know, one of the uh, interesting observations to see here when you, and again, the data offer us a lot of, of uh, um, interesting 
perspective here is that, you know, in many instances where you've seen significant reform or change or proposed change, reorganization, you've seen some significant drops. And I think that's the case for the Corporation for National and Community Service, where um, they had gone through uh, major reorganization, and it can lead to uh, significant changes in um, employee engagement. So you see that there. You see that in uh, some of the other components from the Department of Agriculture, which have been proposed to be moved outside of D.C. Uh, you see that in some of the components in, in the Office of Personnel Management that were um, proposed to be moved over to GSA. So I think, again, one of the important lessons here is that you know being a good leader means being able to manage through change. And when you have these big change incidents, uh, that puts a lot of stress on a workforce. And I think that's something that is popping up here for uh, the corporation. Um, Danny, all yours on the top of the top of the heap. Yeah, well, you see, I I work, you know, in in government. I spent most of my years at the Office of Management and Budget, which has you know roughly 475 to 500 people in any given year. So it's a small agency, and I experienced, you know while I was there on the best places to work and an up and down, like some years we were really up and some years we were really down. And what was the driver of that? I really think going back to Max's earlier point about leadership really depended on how focused the leaders were around the health of the organization. Because in a small organization, you're, there's, there's a close proximity to you, to your leader. You're not, you're not out far in the far reaches. If there's not a lot of people, usually the bureaucracy is, is fairly flat and the organization is, is fairly flat. And so when the leaders are very focused on the health of the organization, what do we need to do to look inward to improve our abilities and our tools? You feel it very clearly and it has an impact and it inspires you. At the same time, if you feel like your leaders are not focused on that, they're focused looking outwardly um, and not really thinking about how to invest in the organization, you feel that just as, as viscerally. So I think for small agencies, it's even more important that the leadership connect in a way that says we care about this organization, the health of the organization, the health of the workforce, and that's going to be one of our top priorities going forward. And before we let you go, we should acknowledge the very best place of all anywhere for the second year in a row, and it went up this year, the Office of Inspector General at the Tennessee Valley Authority, working in the shadows of dams and hydro <laughs> projects. What's the secret sauce? Does anyone know the secret sauce going yes. on there? Yes, it's leadership again. It's back to the core um, asset of any organization that the, the leadership matters, and um, that they have a, uh, they had a former leader who, who understood how important employee engagement was, spent a bunch of energy investing in people, just as Danny described, uh, is necessary. And it's good to see that that um, commitment has continued. But um, you almost inevitably will find, again, you can have a lot of externalities that can create turmoil for an agency. But when they go up, most typically it's because they've had a great leader. And I think the converse can be true as well. So uh, it's a leader, and it's a leader. It's leadership there, which explains how well they've done. And to the Agriculture Department's Economic Research Service and National Institute of Food and Agriculture, can we simply say we feel your pain? Absolutely. And more than the pain, I think it should be a notice for everybody that if we want our government to deliver the extraordinary services that it has done consistently over the years, we need to pay attention to these numbers because these numbers are directly correlated to the performance of these organizations in incredibly important fields. So 
whether it's you know the Department of Agriculture or elsewhere, uh, you know whether you're in Congress or you're in the executive branch or in the public, um, these numbers should be the the report card that um, that are that that are used to uh, hold leaders accountable and to celebrate those that are doing a good job. Max Steyer, CEO of the Partnership for Public Service, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. And Danny Werfel runs public sector practice at the Boston Consulting Group. Thank you also. Thank you, Tom. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.